Welcome to episode 42 of Around the Jewish World with Tom Price. Today's episode is devoted to the Jews of Amsterdam and more broadly to the Jews of the Netherlands. The Jews of Amsterdam represent somewhere between half and two-thirds of all the Jews in the country. And the other significant communities of Jews are in The Hague, which is actually the capital of the Netherlands, although many Americans think that it's Amsterdam, and also Rotterdam, which is the largest port and the busiest port by far in all of Europe. Now, I should caution you that even though the Netherlands appears to be a relatively small country, its history is at least as complicated as any of the other countries we've discussed in this series. And its history is closely related to, first of all, the Roman Empire and the collapse of the Roman Empire. And second of all, great rival empires like Spain, France, and England. Also, a bunch of the Germanic peoples who contributed to the collapse of the Roman Empire actually converged on the area that is now known as the Netherlands as the Roman Empire collapsed and there was sort of a power vacuum for a while. Now, there are several common misconceptions that I would like to clear up right from the start. First of all, many Americans tend to refer to the Netherlands as Holland, which is actually incorrect. There are two provinces in the Netherlands that are called Holland. One is north and one is south. But all the people in other provinces get quite offended if you refer to their country as Holland because it's a very small part. It would be like calling the United States of America Kansas. The other thing that few Americans seem to know is that the Dutch once had a vast maritime empire that was worldwide and that rivaled the empires of Britain and France in surface area, if not necessarily in longevity. At different points in time, the Dutch controlled New York, which was then known as New Amsterdam, lots of chunks of land in the Caribbean, and parts of Brazil, and also on the northeast coast of South America, a country which is now called Suriname, but which was formerly known as Dutch Guiana. And it's not only in the New World that the Dutch played a prominent role, it's also in Africa and Asia. There was the Dutch East India Company, which controlled all of what is today Indonesia from a capital known in colonial times as Batavia and now known as Jakarta. There were Dutch territories also in what are today India and Sri Lanka, and also at least Dutch ports and zones of influence in modern Malaysia. Also, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the other major Dutch-speaking country in the world, which is South Africa, where the language is called Afrikaans, but it is actually a form or a dialect of Dutch. And South Africa grew from the Dutch base at what is today Cape Town, where they provisioned ships and where they stopped for at least a rest stop, if not also a reprovisioning stop, on their way to the Dutch East Indies. They had to sail all the way down 
from the Netherlands around the Cape of Good Hope across the Indian Ocean to get to either India, Sri Lanka, Indonesia, etc., etc. So during the Middle Ages, the descendants of the Carolingian dynasty, which you'll recall were the descendants of Charlemagne in the borderland between what is now Germany and what is now France, came to dominate the area that is today the Netherlands and then extended their rule to a large part of Western Europe. The region nowadays corresponding to the Netherlands became part of the Holy Roman Empire, which was dominated by the Franks. And for several centuries, lordships over what are today provinces in the Netherlands held a changing patchwork of territories but there was no unified equivalent of the modern Netherlands in this period. By 1433, the Dukes of Burgundy assumed control over most of the lowlands in Lower Lotharingen, and they created the Burgundian Netherlands, which included the modern-day Netherlands, Belgium, Luxembourg, and part of what is today France. Now, you'll recall that Early in the 1500s, the Protestant Reformation happened and generated centuries worth of wars between Catholic and Protestant countries, expulsions, persecutions, etc., etc. The Catholic kings of Spain took strong measures against Protestantism, and that rule by the Spaniards polarized the populations of what are today Belgium and the Netherlands. The subsequent Dutch revolt led to the splitting in 1581 of the Burgundian Netherlands into a Catholic, French, and Dutch-speaking Spanish Netherlands, which corresponds roughly to modern Belgium and Luxembourg, and the Dutch Republic, which spoke Dutch and was predominantly Protestant. That second entity became the modern-day Netherlands. In what is referred to as the Dutch Golden Age, which reached its peak around the end of the 1600s, there was a flourishing of trade, industry, and the sciences, and a rich worldwide Dutch empire developed, and the Dutch East India Company became one of the earliest and most important of the national mercantile companies based on invasion, colonialism, and the extraction of the wealth of others. Over the next century, the power, wealth, and influence of the Netherlands declined. A series of wars with the more powerful British and French neighbors weakened it. The English seized the North American colony of New Amsterdam and renamed it New York. There was growing unrest and conflict between various groups of Dutchmen and a pro-French Batavian Republic was established from 1795 to 1806, which Napoleon transformed into a satellite state called the Kingdom of Holland. Later, that was simply a French imperial province. Now, I'm really abbreviating a very complicated history here because you'll recall that there were Austrian Habsburgs and Spanish Habsburgs, and for a time, the Netherlands bounced between various members of the Habsburg clan. But to go to a streamlined and simplified version of this, when Napoleon was defeated at Waterloo in what is today Belgium, an expanded United Kingdom of the Netherlands was created with the House of Orange as monarchs, also ruling Belgium and Luxembourg. The king imposed unpopular Protestant reforms on Belgium, 
which was largely Catholic, and which revolted in 1830 and finally became independent in 1839. Modern-day Luxembourg became officially independent of the Netherlands in 1839 as well, but a personal union of the monarchs remained until 1890. Since 1890, Luxembourg is ruled by another branch of the House of Nassau, and that is personified by the Grand Duke of Luxembourg. During World War I, the Netherlands was neutral, but in World War II, it was invaded by Nazi Germany. The Nazis, including many local collaborators, rounded up and killed almost all of the Jewish population of the Netherlands, and when Dutch resistance increased, the Nazis cut off food supplies to much of the country, causing severe starvation in 1944 and 1945, in other words, towards the end of the war. In 1942, the Dutch East Indies were conquered by Japan, but prior to this, the Dutch destroyed the oil wells for which Japan was so desperate. Indonesia proclaimed its independence from the Netherlands in 1945, followed by Suriname in 1975. The post-war years saw the creation of a new economic alliance with Belgium and Luxembourg, abbreviated as Benelux, Belgium, Netherlands, Luxembourg. And all three became the cornerstone of the European Economic Community, subsequently the European Union, and of course, they were all founding members of NATO. In recent decades, the Dutch economy has been more and more closely linked to that of Germany and is highly prosperous. As the European Union grows, one of the interesting things that sometimes seems mysterious to many Americans is the so-called Schengen Zone or the, the Schengen Area. Uh, Schengen is actually a little village in the Netherlands where a treaty was signed basically eliminating internal borders among all the signatories to this treaty. So there is completely free movement of goods and people within the European Union among the countries that are signatory to the Schengen Agreement. Now, most of my fellow Americans, when they think of famous Dutch people, think of Rembrandt and Van Gogh, above all. But there were several very famous Jews living in the Netherlands at different points in time. And I want to address like how they got there, where they came from, and who they were. It's likely that the earliest Jews arrived in the Low Countries, present-day Belgium and the Netherlands and Luxembourg, during the Roman conquest early in the Common Era. Little is known about these early settlers, except that they were not very numerous. There were no large Jewish communities during Roman times. The first reliable documentary evidence of Jewish communities in the region dates only from the 1100s, and Jews were persecuted within the region and expelled on a regular basis because it was part of the Holy Roman Empire, which was neither holy nor Roman, but was Catholic and ferociously anti-Jewish. In the 14th century, Europe was hit by the Black Plague or the Black Death. This resulted in a new theme in medieval anti-Semitic rhetoric. The Jews were held responsible for the epidemic and for the way it was spreading, because presumably they were the ones who poisoned wells used by Christians. Various medieval chronicles mention this, and Jews were frequently murdered 
in what are the low countries today because of basically false information about their responsibility for spreading the plague. In 1477, when Mary of Burgundy married the Archduke Maximilian, who was the son of Emperor Frederick III, the Netherlands were united to Austria and all of its possessions passed to the crown of Spain. In the 16th century, owing to the persecutions of Charles V and Philip II of Spain, the Netherlands became involved in a series of desperate and heroic struggles against the growing Catholic religious hegemony. Finally, Charles V issued a proclamation in Utrecht against Christians who were suspected of being lax in the faith or sympathetic to Protestantism, as well as against Jews who had not been baptized, all in an attempt to suppress the Protestant Reformation, which was spreading like wildfire. In 1571, the Duke of Alba notified the authorities in the Netherlands that all Jews living there should be seized and held until their fates were determined by him. At Dutch request, the Archduke Matthias established religious peace in most of the provinces, which was later guaranteed by an article of the Treaty of Utrecht. In 1581, the deputies of the United Provinces declared independence from Spain by issuing the Act of Abjuration, which deposed Philip as their sovereign. As a consequence of this series of events, Jews who were persecuted in Spain and Portugal turned towards the Dutch Republic as a place of refuge. So for much of the 16th and 17th centuries, Jews from Spain and Portugal flocked to the Netherlands and particularly to the city of Amsterdam. The Portuguese-Spanish synagogue in Amsterdam, which is still in use today, still holds its services in the Portuguese language. The great rabbi there who died in 1697 was Avraham Cohen Pimentel, and I've known half a dozen at least Portuguese diplomats bearing the same family name of Pimentel. Many of these Spanish and Portuguese Jews helped the Dutch to colonize Brazil, but after the Dutch lost Recife to the Portuguese in 1654, these Jews sought refuge in other Dutch colonies, including the Caribbean and New Amsterdam, now Manhattan, in the United States, which did not yet exist. Besides merchants, Many physicians were among the Iberian Jews in Amsterdam, and they include a number of famous names. They were not Jews, that is, were not allowed to practice law because lawyers were required to take a Christian oath. They were also excluded from trade guilds, but they were allowed to practice certain trades, printing, book selling, selling meat, poultry, groceries, and medicines, and... In 1655, a Sephardic Jew was exceptionally permitted to establish a sugar refinery using chemical methods. One of the most famous of all these Sephardic Jews, which is to say Jews from Spain and Portugal, who settled in Amsterdam, was Benedict Spinoza, known in Hebrew as Baruch Spinoza, who was a philosopher, scholar, and optician, who was excommunicated in 1656 after speaking out about his ideas concerning the nature of God. These ideas were controversial both among Christians and among Jews. But in essence, Spinoza was one of the 
early founders or fathers of theism, the idea that God is in everything, which does not seem inconsistent with his Jewish heritage or his Jewish education. Throughout the 19th century, following the defeat of Napoleon at Waterloo, Jews really prospered in the Netherlands, and the communities grew to such an extent that by 1900, Amsterdam alone had 51,000 Jews. The Hague had 5,754 Jews. Rotterdam had 10,000. Groningen had 2,400. And Arnhem had 1,224. The total population of the Netherlands in the year 1900 was just over 5 million, of whom roughly 2% were Jews. As the Jewish population grew, so obviously did the number of famous influential Jews who played leading roles in politics, in finance, in the arts, in the sciences, etc., etc. Ironically, probably one of the most famous Jews who ever lived in Amsterdam was a young girl named Anne Frank, who kept a diary of her life while she was in hiding, hidden by courageous non-Jews behind a secret wall in an apartment in Amsterdam. And the Diary of Anne Frank is one of the most famous books of the 20th century. And it is the subject of many movies. There's a museum in Amsterdam. Anne Frank may be as well known to some people as Rembrandt or Van Gogh. It in itself is quite an amazing story. And she is the reason that many people choose to go to visit Amsterdam. In the difficult years immediately following World War II, a lot of Dutch Jews emigrated either to England or to Israel, which was then mandatory Palestine because the state of Israel didn't come into existence until 1948. And the numbers plummeted, and it looked like maybe the end of the ancient Dutch Jewish community until lots of Jews started settling in Amsterdam from the former Soviet Union, various countries that were once Soviet, and from Israel itself. There was kind of a reverse flow. So numbers seem to have stabilized now with roughly 30,000, depending on how you define a Jew, if you need to have a Jewish mother or one Jewish parent is sufficient or one Jewish grandparent, that has a huge impact on population figures. So when I say it could be 30,000, it could be 60,000, that simply depends on the definition you choose to use of who is a Jew. And of course, as is the case all over the world, there are a great many ways to be Jewish in the Netherlands. The range goes from orthodox to reform through conservative and Jewish renewal and reconstructionist. There's an infinite variety from which to choose, even in a relatively small country. And the Netherlands has often been a place of refuge for Jews, and generally Jews feel grateful when they think about the Netherlands. Thank you for your attention, and I hope to talk with you again soon.